Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard weekly on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. This is our first podcast of 2021 and the beginning of our 13th season on Chorus Radio. So I want to begin by saying a big thank you for tuning in each week and also for downloading the podcast. So thank you again. We look forward to the year ahead and another season of shows and podcasts. And you know, it was almost a year ago now that we took our show on the road to Mazatlan, Mexico. Seems so long ago now. Staying at the El Cid Moro, one of four El Cid resorts in Mazatlan. So I thought we'd get an update on what it's like to be there a year later with the pandemic going on with the folks from El Cid Resorts. So we'll do that in a few minutes in the podcast. Plus, ski season is underway now. So a bit later, we'll check in with Marmot Basin and Jasper to see how the season's going so far. But we're going to start things out this week talking with our good friend and regular guest, travel writer Jody Robbins, to get some winter road trip travel tips. She wrote a blog about it called How to Make Winter Road Trips an Actual Pleasure. You can find it on her website, travelswithbaggage.com. And Jody joins us now. Hi, Jody. Hi, Randy. How to make winter road trips an actual pleasure. Are you saying that they're not a pleasure? <laughs> Are we there yet? Um. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess, uh, obviously, when it comes to winter road trips versus summer road trips, uh, one big factor is the weather that uh, you really have to watch out for, right? No, you really do. And some of the part of the fun about summer road trips is that, you know, the journey is part of the destination. You can sneak off, maybe find a little swimming hole. But in winter, it's really just about getting there as quickly and as safely as you can. Mm-hmm. Are, do you think a lot of people are intimidated by winter driving, though? Well, if they're not, I think they should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, I grew up in Saskatchewan, right? So it's, yeah, okay, yeah, you take extra, extra precautions. But, you know, you kind of know how to get out of uh, if you're, you know, stuck a little bit kind of thing. Uh, in that sense, do you think because of that, people stay home more and there's, and, and maybe that's a good thing, there's less people on the road? You know, I think it's an interesting point you bring up because I'm, you know, I'm laughing as you say that being from Saskatchewan, because it is such a prairie thing because we are so used to doing that. And even if the weather seems nice, we're throwing in extra toques and a shovel and things like that into our vehicle. But, you know, as our city and as Alberta has grown, you know, there's a lot of people who've moved here from other places like mm-hmm. Vancouver and Toronto. And I think you're right. I think they don't have, have the same considerations. And, um, and, you know, of course, some of the issues with driving on ice seems counterintuitive, like to speed up, to get out of a drift, you know, things like that. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not really no expert, but I definitely think it's something that's taken with caution. Um, but in this time of COVID, you know, everything has changed about how we travel, how we see people. And, you know, it's all just very different. Well, that's for sure. And I guess it depends on, you know, uh, how long you're going to be on the road, uh, where you're going and for how long all those factors play in as well. And you have some great tips for us. So share. Okay. well, I think the first thing and this can apply either if you're doing a summer or road trip any time of year. And that is, I mean, we always talk about it, but people rarely do it. But you really ought to plan ahead. So, you know, know where you're going isn't really enough. You kind of want to know where the pit stops are going to be. Where do you need to stop for gas? And especially now when restaurants are closed, um, if you're traveling with children, you know, you really want to figure out where you can stop. Um, If you need to get a bite, I recommend bringing all your food with you. 
and actually eating in the car, obviously not the driver, but hopefully you could swap off driving. But it, it takes up, um, it fills time, it saves money, it gives the kids something to do. Um, you'll be able to eat a lot healthier than you would getting some kind of takeaway. So I would use any kind of stops for gas and to get the wiggles out. So even in winter, you can stop the parking lot somewhere. If it's empty enough, kick a ball around. Um, Really, stopping should be used for stretching. That's my number one piece of advice. And what about emergency kits? I I know it's kind of an obvious thing, but uh, it is different in winter. Yeah, it really is. So there's a lot of different emergency kits that you can purchase, you know, at... um, you know, big box stores, you can create your own. Um, But definitely you'll want to have, you know, perhaps a flare is a good idea. You'll want to have an extra battery pack in case you can no longer charge your phone. Um, Candles are good for light. Um, And on that note, like we're so reliant on technology. So on a slip of paper, you know, have written down the number of the AMA or the, if you're going to somebody's house or a hotel, the person, like have those physical contacts written down, not just stored in your phone, because if your phone is dead, then that really puts you (laughs) in a precarious situation. (laughs) Or if you're in a zone where there's no service or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, And now what about inside the vehicle now? Let's assume we've got everything and the roads are fine and and we're on our way and we've got a couple hours to kill. (laughs) Like you Mm -hmm. say, it can get a little squirrely and dicey uh, with boredom setting in it can so if you're um i I think in general it's a good idea to rotate dj duty so everyone can have a turn whether it's half hour or an hour and they can control the music just so that it's quite fair if you're traveling with kids try and hand as much control over to them because kids do want to feel like they're a part of things and having a sense of control so you know, if they don't have their own iPhone, you can hand over yours and have them be the map checker. And, you know, so you're not always answering how far is it? Are we there yet? Um, They can look up interesting places to stop along the way if it's, you know, safe to do so. Mm -hmm. And um, I would, it's controversial, but I think if your kids are young enough, don't automatically hand over devices because that's just a habit that's so hard to break. Mm. So you want to start as you mean to go on, get them into games. There's car games, there's puzzles, there's so much stuff you can do. And I would save electronics for the last hour or two of your journey when nobody's fresh anymore. Some great advice and tips we can go on, but time is our enemy. As always, Jody Robbins, travel writer, (laughs) blogger. You can find all those tips on how to make a winter road trip an actual pleasure. It's always always fun to chat, Jody. Thank you so much. Take care. Well, you know, it was almost a year ago now that we uh, took our show on the road to Mazatlan, Mexico, staying at the beautiful El Cid Moro, one of four El Cid resorts in Mazatlan. So I thought we'd get an update on what it's like to be there a year later with the pandemic going on with the folks from the El Cid resorts. To help us out, we're joined now by Delia Osuna. She is the Director of International Sales for El Cid Resorts in Mazatlan. The website is elsid.com. Hi, Delia. Hi, Brandon. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm really wishing I was in Mazatlan right now, though. <laughs> I know. We are having such a great weather. It's uh, very nice, you know, nice and sunny. And thank you for this great opportunity to be in your program with your audience. 
Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, obviously, it's been a difficult year for the travel and hospitality industry. Tell me what it was like for the El Cid Resorts, though. Well, you know, uh, as Mazatlán as a destination and all the hotels, and of course, El Cid as well, have implemented, you know, new protocols to be ready um, with the COVID situation. So we have uh, implemented uh, hygiene and, and sanitation programs to assure, you know, to we want to assure that the health and well-being of the families and all of our uh, guests, our staff is our priority. We want to make sure when people travel, when they are ready, they feel calm and enjoy their stay at the most. And I guess it's uh, one of the advantages of being warm is that you can do a lot of outdoor activities and uh, do the social distancing a lot easier than uh, in the cold temperatures and cold climates up here. That is correct. There is so Mazatlan is so diverse. It's uh, lots of activities to keep busy and at the same time uh, uh, taking care of the, 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 the distance. And, you know, we have tours for the surrounding areas. Uh, according to the new situation, they, uh, the companies have established and implemented uh, protocols to have control on the amount of people uh, having NPCs and the buses, whatever, you know, all those uh, new protocols to maintain the, uh, you know, to, to make sure people enjoy the tour and they're not, you know, together with other people called uh, keeping the distance. So mm-hmm. distance, all the companies, the tours, the deep sea fishing, the, the, the uh, colonial tours, there is a lot of things to to do and enjoy the 12 miles of Golden and Shoreline in Mazatlán is, you know, just to watch, uh, to walk down and enjoy the tropical weather, you know? El Cid Resorts has, uh, we have four properties in Mazatlán. You also have properties in Cancun, Riviera Maya, and Cozumel. But tell me about the four different properties uh, in Mazatlán for people that may uh, uh, never uh, stayed there. Yeah, well, we have four properties, you know, those wishing to stay at the El Cid property in Mazatlán, they can choose between the El Cid Marina Beach, El Cid Castilla, El Cid Moro, and Cid Granada Club, eh, which collectively provide a choice of three different meal plans. You know, we include EP plan, all-inclusive, and all-inclusive elite. Uh, basically, uh, you you get to get to move around the hotels. You know, it's uh, access to the restaurants. We have 11 restaurants throughout the hotels. We have implemented the amount of people per seating, uh, maintaining the safe distance between tables and chairs with all the uh, new protocols that are implemented. We, you know, the people can dine around among 11 restaurants and bars and lunch of our four resorts. We have also some bars among choices. And it's easy to move around uh, to because we are very close to one another. And actually, we have shuttles between, for example, La Marina, which is a little bit further out, uh, with the Moro, Castilla, and Granada that are mostly together. Uh, the Cid Granada is, is a great property uh, for clients looking for quiet areas. It, it's, um, it's connected to Castilla with a sky bridge. 
and it's very quiet area. It's located by the golf course. We have a, a golf course, 24 holes. It's a professional golf course, and the people is, go there and, and have a nice golf round, and then they spend a nice breakfast at the quiet areas. We have activities, of course, and we have um, tennis courts. We have spa, steam, sauna, and gym, you know. And the the the, the beauty of the for guests staying at the NC is just at one and play. You can play at four, you know. Exchange mm-hmm. privilege between the hotels. So it's like four uh, hotels in one. <laughs> Yes, that is correct. Well, it's and the fade uh, out. The the location of the uh, like you said, the Castilla, the uh, Moro, and the uh, Granada. They're they're kind of in a cluster cadet to, together. And if you're staying at the marina, there's uh, very easy uh, to get shuttles back and forth if you wanted to go visit that those properties as well. So, what's it like in Mazatlan in general when it comes to the COVID restrictions? Uh, is masks mandatory? Uh, obviously, social distancing. I'm thinking, and and what's open. Yeah, well, you know, uh, for example, uh, you, you, it's mandatory to use face masks in public areas. Of course, keeping the social distance in the restaurant as when you don't use it. However, you know, in, in most places and, and overall as a destination, as a plan is certified COVID, COVID, you know, with COVID protocols as well. So face mask is mandatory for most of places. And uh, what is open at your resorts? Everything is open? Your spas, everything like that too? Yes, we have opened the spa and all the restaurants. And we are keeping we are keeping the social distance and the amount of people per, per sitting in the restaurants in order to in order to to keep, you know, the 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 social distance among our guests, yes. Well, it's been- uh, the protocols, you know, for, you know, the seat has, uh, you know, for over 45 years, the seat has been built trust and commitment with our guests, partners, and employees. And in all of our resorts in Mazatlán, Rivera, Maya, and Cozumel, and we created these always committed protocol programs. The implementation of training of hygiene and sanitation processes all over the hotel, wearing face masks, protective masks, gloves according to the established areas. All employees will have their temperature take, taken when they come into the uh, to the hotel. And for the spa, we have you know uh, take appointments and, and of course keeping social distance. We have the in the rooms guarantee seals to make sure that you are comfortable after they they do the sanitation and the hygiene. And and we have established maximum capacity in the in the spa and the restaurant areas. Even though if you are laying on the beach between chairs there are the social distance and they are uh, disinfection process all the time, you know, the employees. 
Well, here's to uh, better times ahead, saying goodbye to 2020. It was a tough year, I know that, and to uh, a better year ahead in 2021. Uh, Delia Asuna is the Director of International Sales for El Cid Resorts. Lots of information on their website, elcid.com. It's uh, always a pleasure to chat with you, Delia. Thank you so much. Thank you, Randy. And we are ready. Uh, when the people is ready to travel, we are ready for them to receive them and feel the warmth of Mexico and Mazatlan, of course. Well, ski season is underway now, so I thought we'd check in with Marmot Basin in Jasper just to see how the season's going so far. And joining us now to do that is Brian Rode. He's the vice president of Marmot Basin. Their website is skimarmot.com. Hi, Brian. Hello, Randy. Uh, tell me a little bit about Marmot Basin. I've never been. I've never skied there. So uh, give me the basics for uh, us newbies, I guess. Okay, well, well, I'd love to, and uh, you have to get up here if you've never skied here. As many people who know Marmot Basin know, we're about, about four hours, three and a half hours uh, west of Edmonton. We're the only ski area in Jasper National Park, and uh, most, of our, most of our visitors, skiers, come from the Edmonton area, central, northern Alberta, and uh, every once in a while, we'll get some, some folks from the southern province to come up and and visit our resort. Usually when they do, they always make a trip back to visit Marmot. We're kind of one of those ski areas that, uh, because we're a little further away from the city, uh, the people who come here are the people who really want to come to Jasper, and they love it when they get here, both the mountain and the town. I'll tell you a little bit about the mountain. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, seven lifts here, about 3,000 vertical feet, over 1,700 acres, and it's a great mountain for skiers of varying abilities. And the reason I say that is because we've got novice runs, intermediate, advanced, and expert runs off of every single lift. So people who are skiing together, families can travel up the same lift together. They can take different runs. Uh, one can go down a novice, another can go down an expert run. And then all of these lifts converge either at mid-mountain or the base of the mountain. And that's the real beauty of the ski area itself. Good variety of terrain and skiers of varying abilities can ski together. That's what people like the most, I find, about the mountain. And then, of course, there's the spectacular rock, Rocky Mountain scenery that keeps people coming back time and time again. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't hurt either. Uh, and I know it's early, but how has the ski season been so far? Yeah, it's been great. It really has. Of course, the, the key ingredient is snow. That's what we need. And we've had a, an abundance of snow this year, well above average. So all of our lifts and runs got open quite early in the season, and uh, people have really been enjoying that. So conditions have been great. And, of course, uh, we're in strange times right now with the COVID, so everybody has to um, comply by the rules. And by and large, everybody is, is doing so. And we're having a great time out here. Good to hear. I guess one of the advantages uh, of a Ski Resort, A, is that uh, we've been in this COVID thing for a while, so you've had some time to plan. And B, once you're outside, it's you're pretty much social distance just by the nature of the uh, outdoor activity, right? I guess we're, when you, uh, you have to be more careful is where you're indoors in the uh, ski facilities and, and those types of things, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I mean, we all need to get our exercise. We're craving that outdoor experience after, uh, 
you know, so long, so many months. And, and this is, I think, the best thing to do in the wintertime is to get outside. So, you know, the folks, once we're outside and, and skiers, of course, jackets, we've got helmets on, goggles on, masks are mandatory throughout the area. Everybody's complying with the mask uh, regulation. And out in the fresh air, it's really no issue when you're out on the slopes. As for the indoor spaces, that's interesting. Marmot, Marmot has this really unique feature where you can ski to and from all of our four parking lots. Our parking lots are tiered up the mountain. So you can pull into any one of these four parking lots and literally put your skis on at your car and push off and head out onto the slope and go down to where the base of our lifts are. It's just as easy to come down, uh, no matter where you are on the mountain, and ski back to your car. So what a lot of people have chosen to do is they may pack their own lunch, and then they, they meet back at their vehicle, and that's where they have their lunch. The important part about that is that uh, you also have to maintain the social distancing in the parking lot. That's mm-hmm. very important. Mm-hmm. Our chalets are open. We do have quite a number of food service outlets at reduced capacity, of course. But we've accommodated uh, where we've lost some chairs inside and some tables inside. We're we're making up for it to some extent with some outdoor tents. We've got outdoor barbecues going. We've got a a tent set up in our fourth parking lot where we're serving hot food out of that. So a lot of grab-and-go options Uh, We've got the new uh, Bavarian food up on one of our chalet decks. So lots of different options for food in and around the mountain, uh, given the lack of indoor space. Mm -hmm. Well, and you mentioned the mask too. Uh, What else do people need to know before coming, even if it's not COVID-related, just in general? Well, one of the things that we are encouraging people to do is, first of all, plan ahead. Make sure that you've got all the equipment you need. Make sure that you're aware of and you understand all of our um, rules on the mountain and all of our protocols and uh, and to purchase as much as you can online in advance. We don't have a capacity on the number of lift tickets or a limit on the number of lift tickets we'll sell in a day. The only thing that really limits our capacity is our parking. So once the parking lots get full, um, then that's when you're going to probably be turned around. So that happens very, very, very rarely, and uh, usually there is enough room for people to park. So go onto our website, look at what we have for lift tickets, what we have for rentals, read up on all the protocols at Marmot Basin, and then uh, give us a call if you've got any other questions. And I would think you would need your tickets in advance, right? Like You don't want to be disappointed going there thinking you can get lift tickets uh, when you arrive, or can you? No, you can get lift tickets when you arrive, and Marmot is one of these mountains that has a lot of uh, a lot of room to move, and we don't, so we don't have to limit the number of lift tickets we sell. What the only thing that would limit the number of skiers that we can accommodate again comes back to the parking. So if you haven't mm-hmm. got your lift ticket in advance, you don't have to worry about it. It just is a little bit quicker if you can get it in advance, and especially the rental gear. If you need rental gear, that's always good to reserve in advance. But you don't have to do that. You can get it on site. Nice. Uh, are all the runs open? Everything's open now? Yeah, yeah, everything's open, uh, even Tres Hombres. This is an area, Double Black Diamond, expert terrain that we opened uh, three years ago, and even that is open. That's some pretty steep terrain. That is definitely an expert's <laughs> only, but all lifts, all runs right from uh, 
Old Road and Bunny Hop all the way up to Trey's Ombres and, and some of our other expert runs. Uh, you mentioned that a lot of your guests come from the Edmonton area, northern central Alberta. Do you, how many, on an, on an average year, and this isn't an average year, but on an average year, how many international visitors would you get? International, about, uh, we get about 30,000 international visits, and we do about 220, 230,000 skier visits in a season. So 10%, maybe 15% are international. That's growing a little bit. A lot of our international people are coming from uh, United Kingdom, German-speaking Europe. They're really looking for that Rocky Mountain experience, and they hear about our area here in the Rockies. They hear that Marmot Basin is maybe a little bit less crowded than some of their other choices that they have out there. And so these more, I would say, seasoned European travelers that have been to a number of resorts throughout Europe and they may already have made a trip to North America, they're looking for something different. They're looking for something a little bit off the beaten path. And those seem to be the international visitors that we're attracting to Jasper and Marmot Basin. And there's no accommodations on the mountain, right? You'd be having your your guests stay mostly in Jasper or coming from other areas. Yeah, that's right. All the hotels are in Jasper, and that's actually a a great selling feature in a way or a key attribute that we have here in Jasper. A lot of people like the on-hill accommodation for all the obvious reasons, but Jasper is not a purpose-built ski town. And as such, you've got a a real community vibe there. It's It's an authentic... Uh, mountain community. People like that. So they come up to the mountain, they do their skiing, their snowboarding during the day, and then at the end of the day, they get off the ski mountain, they go down to a real community, they've got a huge variety of restaurants and uh, uh, taverns, those sorts of things, uh, movie theaters, Heck, you can even go to the activity center and go for a swim. Now, these things are closed right now, the activity center, but, you know, in a, I'll call it a normal year, mm-hmm. um, Jasper's a, a really welcoming community, and people love that. It's a whole destination. It's not just the ski area. It's the ski area combined with the town itself that make this a, a real attractive option for skiers and boarders. And I know it depends on the snow, but how late do you usually stay open your season? May 2nd this year, we always stay open until the the first Sunday in May. So this year it happens to fall on May 2nd. And conditions are generally excellent right up and through until, uh, until closing day. That's a wonderful thing that we have here in the Rockies, in, in Jasper, and even down, of course, into Banff. We have late seasons, much later than people who are, or skiers that are further west. Mm-hmm. Well, Brian Road is the uh, Vice President of Marmot Basin. You can find out all the information on their website, skimarmot.com. It was a pleasure chatting with you, Brian. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveler.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.